Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast with the uh, Power of Pro Sports series with Pro Sports Assembly and my co-host for the series, Kareen Million. Really excited to have our guests on today in uh, Jennifer Fazioli with the Texas Rangers. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about transitioning into pro sports. Jen's got a fascinating career path and journey. Um, lots to talk about and lots to get into. So nonetheless, Jen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, the both of you. So let's just start off with the fact that um, track and cross country coaching into now partnerships. I really like, <laughs> hey, I got to know, not not even like one, you probably knew someone to get to where you are, but also um, there's the like mindset shift of like coaching to business, like where did that happen? And then we can get to all sorts of other stuff too. Um, well, I had a 12 year coaching career and um, particularly the power five level is just 24 seven and probably as it should be because you're working with 18 to 22 year olds and you are, if you're doing things right, you are a big influence and impact on their life. Um, so I made myself available all the time between traveling for meets and, and recruiting. And I happened to coach a sport um, that had three different seasons. So I was essentially in season from August to June. There was no downtime. Um, and I started thinking a couple of years ago about making a career transition, um, but I knew that I wanted to stay in sports or athletics in some way. And so uh, LinkedIn became my best friend um, just for doing research and talking to people, informational interviews do work, um, just to find out kind of where my skill set and kind of where my personality would best translate to um, and found the more people I talked to um, that I really liked the partnership space. Um, and then I thought I could be good at it. Um, and in my mind, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but the recruitment process is, is a sales process. Um, and so I thought a lot of the, um, the skills and the strengths I had picked up there would translate well. Um, and so that's kind of how I got to where I wanted to go um, or a decision on where I wanted to go. Yeah, Jen, one of the things that I've talked about with, with a few guests on the podcast is that even in like, say the, the player development, baseball scouting world, like scouting is sales. It's the same process. If you've done both, you understand it. It's not easy to understand how those two are the same if you haven't done both. But to your point, like talk us through the recruiting process in the sense of how it's now similar. Like now that you've been in your role, what's, where, where are the similarities and the crossovers? Right. Um, so I think recruiting, uh, particularly again, um, and we were just talking about this offline. Um, when athletes come in for official visits, they're they're often bringing parents or family members. So it's like recruiting the entire family, um, and it's building a relationship. And I think building trust. Um, and I think that's basically what the sales process is. Now, um, one, you're you're trying to convince people that this is. This is a place they're going to want to be for the next four years of their life that's going to lay the foundation for their entire life thereafter. So it's it's a pretty big lift, a pretty big ask. And also, um, you know, kind of trying to let the parents know that you're going to be responsible for, for their child and, and getting them where they want to go, um, whether it be on the education path or, or in this case on the, on the track or cross-country 
field, cross-country course, I guess, in my case. Um, and I think sales is, is the same thing. Um, you're getting, you're, you're speaking um, with companies and organizations, but inevitably on the, the smaller level, it is, um, you're, you're talking to people, you're building a relationship with them. Um, and so it's, it's the same kind of, again, the same kind of skill set, the same kind of connection that's got to be established. Um, I learned a long time ago with recruiting, which I think is probably, um, probably similar in the sponsorship space. When I first started coaching and recruiting, I thought, oh, I have to lay out, you know, how I'm going to coach them, where I'm going to get them, where I, you know, what PRs they can set with me, what the school looks like, what kind of education we can give them, what environment, what resources are here for them. So it was always this checklist and business, business, business. But with a 17-year-old kid, they want to know that you're interested in them. So I find a lot of times you have to be interested in that person's, you know, family life. What are their interests before you can start talking business? Um, and so they're both the same things. Um, people only trust you if they know that they they know that you care about them. Yeah, I am um, Jen and I, we have kind of similar paths um, coming from coaching. And I remember, and Jay kind of alluded to this after spending two years at Tennessee, I remember I had, you know, being a graduate assistant for past summer, you can go anywhere. And I was like, I'm gonna coach, that's what I'm gonna do. And after the two years, I was like, I'm good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I know that if it wasn't for the relationships that I had with the coaching staff, I, I'm not at ESPN, right? Uh, their Ardobo made the introduction to football people that put me at ESPN in the bowl games. And how did you find that person or the advocate and get them to help you get to where you are now? Right. Uh, so specifically how I got to this job um, and how I got a couple of interviews. Well, I guess how I got a, a couple of interviews in other areas um, is someone I had met at LinkedIn um, and we connected and we had a lot of conversations. He took a big interest in me um, and connected me with um, with some other people that led to interviews. This one specifically actually came about through uh, a parent, a father, um, of a kid I had recruited and he knew someone at the Rangers. Um, and it was in the last year I was there and we had become um, friendly as well because he was marketing or starting to market a sports recovery drink. Um, and so we had talked extensively about that, that and I kind of told him, I'm actually looking to make a transition. And at the same time, he was offering me a job to help him market that drink. He also knew people at the Rangers, and that's how I got connected here. Jen, one of the interesting things about the partnership space is you never know who knows who and how you get connected to, to somebody, right? And like, I think um, one of the things that's fascinating is like you, you knew what you wanted to do do and you went for it right as opposed to being the you know being in the 12-year coaching career track and saying like all right I could do this I could do that like I'm just open right there's a different approach and a different attitude to it um walk us through your kind of approach and attitude of like going into those interviews to make sure that that was exactly what you wanted to do right so um when I first started, I was open, other than I know I want to stay in sports and athletics. 
uh, arena. Um, but that's what kind of reaching out to people on LinkedIn was. It was, um, hey, this is what I want to do. Um, this is what I'm looking to do. Can you tell me a little bit about your space? So I did a lot of research myself. Um, I think a lot of places, people that I talked to had a concern that I would miss coaching and, and want to jump back in. Um, but my reassurance to them was I didn't decide one day on a whim that I was going to leave coaching. Uh, I gave it a lot of thought, um, did a lot of research about where I wanted to be and what space may suit me the best, um, and then kind of made that move. And again, like I said, the informational, I don't know if that I would call them interviews, just conversations with people. You ask somebody to tell, to, to tell them, about, to tell me about themselves and they're all in. People love to talk about themselves. And so when they were doing that, it kind of gave me insights into um, the partnership space um, and, and other areas earlier on when I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, partnerships. Let's let's introduce our second guest here, Ian McGarry from the Nashville Predators. Uh, excited to have Ian talk about kind of his journey into pro sports and transitioning from the college space to pro. Kareen, like talk about not knowing who knows who and whatnot. I got connected to Ian through a colleague at the South Florida program. Little did I know that I don't know, it was probably a couple years later after he was at Purdue, I was at Purdue and, and he had interned and worked for the same guy that I did. So like small world, right? And um, now we're both in hockey. So Ian, welcome. Thank you. And it's even more small world because Jen and I had a conversation about a year and a half ago when yep. I first got to TCU in Fort Worth. So it's, it is amazing, all the connections and you never know um who you're linked to so it's also careful you got to be careful what you say about certain people because you never know who knows who <laughs> um but apologies for uh, hopping on a little late here it's been a, a busy day uh we have the cmas here tonight in nashville so this morning we had good morning america um and old dominion played so that was at 6 a.m here it's eight o'clock now but appreciate you guys jump or having me join in midway through here it's okay. You hopped on with Old Dominion. It's all good. We get it. Um, no, I one one of the things you know, Ian, we wanted to kind of talk about is like the transition from even for in your space, college to pro. Like, mm -hmm. what are some of the differences? You were with the Learfield and the IMG family, like, and then going to the pro space. What's been the biggest difference, um, just in re in relation to the partnerships and so on? Yeah. So the college space. In the number of years, I was bouncing around the college space from Purdue and a number of stops with Learfield and IMG College and now Learfield altogether. But the college space is a lot of fun. It's, it's more regional, local partnerships. You're building out a lot of just different strategic grassroots plans. And then each stop I made, there's a different culture. So I got to experience a different area, a different fan base different athletic department and a, a new network of people. So the college space, the pros are the passion. It's really strong. Um, no matter where you go, if there's graduates of that school, they're lifelong fans because they're invested in education or it's they grew up a fan. And similarly in the pro market, you've got a lot larger scale of fan base, but overall the partnership you know, model is similar between the two. It's just different scale. Um, one of the biggest differences on the pro side is I have direct access to 
the physical plan and our operations team. So there's a little bit less hoops to go through on the pro side to where everyone here is centralized and it's easier to get operations on board, our finance team on board. And it's not to say it's impossible on the college level, but the timing, especially when you're trying to get a partnership done quickly right before season or mid season, it's been one of the bigger differences. And then obviously here in Nashville, it's Bridgestone arena is the third busiest venue in the U S from a arena standpoint. So we could have a game on a Thursday, Friday, Stapleton, Saturday is the Doobie Brothers, Harry Styles. So the arena never stops, which is fascinating for how we build partnerships as well, because we can activate at games, but it's also we have so many events and venues to engage with the community. So it's another big difference. Well, I'll be I'll text you my address. So you can send tickets. Oh, I guess they're digital now. So you can, <laughs> you can send me some tickets digitally. I have the Ticketmaster app. Um, but I had to follow up in because Jen mentioned this. Do you miss the college space is the question. You kind of bounced back and forth for a couple of years. And now that you've been in the in the pro space, do you miss the college space? I do for the, the fact that, again, the passion of the fan base and the pageantry around college, too. So you've got the tailgate scene is a little bit different and the engaging with fans and building partnerships that are unique pregame, as well as, you know, the band pageantry and the game presentation. We, obviously, pro sports, you do it as well. But I think the college level it just brings back this sense of pageantry and history and tradition that it, it goes back. It's deep rooted. Ian's not mentioning that they, he now gets to see the catfish toss. I mean, come on, like yeah. that's, that's yeah. a big deal now. I haven't seen it yet, but <laughs> the team is now kind of rebounding from a slow start and usually it's like bigger games. So if we, when Detroit's in town, they usually bring squids. So we counter that with some catfish. I just think that is the one of the most disgusting things. I'm like, why are you throwing? How are you sneaking? Where are you putting the squid to get into the arena? Like they like saran saran wrap them to their legs. Like it's, why? It's why? Why? It's a different. It's a different passion. Different passion. It's tradition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's tradition for some. For us, it's only been around for like five years. So I don't know who the first one that thought, you know what, I'm going to tape this catfish to my leg. But now it's part of our tradition and our culture. Jen, how do you create tradition slash uh, anything that, you know, is going to kind of stick right with the fan base in a new ballpark? Right. Um, so this year, actually, um, I think with we we developed a new marketing campaign straight up Texas. Um, we are it's going to be our 50th anniversary um, from when the Rangers made it to Arlington. Um, so there's a lot of celebration there of our history. Um, so I think it's really the historical nature of the team. Um, if you walk around our ballpark, um, kind of the timelines and historical artifacts are all over the place. So we kind of, especially in our lower concourse, we almost have a walking museum. Um, and there's kind of, there's plans for a whole theme museum and, and, and things of that nature. Um, so um, 
it's really just taking the tradition from uh, the old Globe Life Park or Arlington Stadium and kind of bringing it over here. Um, it helps that we're directly across the street from the old stadium. Um, which is still fully functional and operational, and we still hold uh, plenty of events in there. Um, so I think uh, a lot of the history you'll find is all over the walls, um, particularly kind of connecting it to Texas and the history of Texas. All of the artwork that is in the ballpark was commissioned only through Texas artists, um, local artists specifically. Um, so they try to do little touches like that to ensure that it doesn't feel um, cold or sterile, maybe. Um, I think there's a lot of, and the other thing is our stadium is actually smaller um, than the old ballpark in, in terms of seating. I think we were about 48,000 over there and it's about 40 over here. So it's a little bit intimate, more intimate. The, um, the seats are closer to the field. Um, that also helps, I think, too. Karina, I want to touch on something that, that Jen mentioned earlier in the episode where um, you know, understanding your personality and how it fits within what you're doing, but also the culture that you're in, the geographic location. Like, I think understanding personality is huge. Anything you want to hit on that and we'll get to Ian? Yeah, I think all of everybody on this call can probably say that you have to be somewhat of a chameleon to be in partnerships or sales, right? Like one of the traits that people say um, is I make a lot of people feel comfortable because of my background all over the place. I can talk to anybody about anything. Um, and I see from both backgrounds here, like part of being successful in partnerships is being able to make people feel comfortable. And so I'd be interested to hear from Ian, um, like you've been, it's not just like, oh, I was on the East Coast. You've kind of been all over the place <laughs> and like dealing in different cultures and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but how have you been able to um, manage that and balance those different personalities to make, to make what you do right? Yeah, I think, you know, anyone that's going to be successful in the partnership space, one of the key pieces is just the inquisitive mindset. And I, I, I like the word chameleon as well, because you go to a new market you don't like give up who you are, but you learn what makes or what works with that fan base, what works in this market. So you learn kind of your value proposition, but then you turn around and it's similar questions. You learn about how their business operates, how they're reaching out to fans and, and you kind of go through your process. But I think a lot of us, if you're in, especially a partnership sales role, it's you're kind of born or you've developed this really inquisitive mindset to where you're just naturally curious, whether it's, you know, a local coffee company or if it's a national brand who does large scale partnerships. I think no matter what conversation you're having and no matter what market, it's it's all about making people comfortable. Yes. Being yourself. Yes. But also just being inquisitive and then following up too. Um, a lot of people will say, you know, hey, I'll follow up by in the next two days and then just sticking to your word and following up and building that trust even more, I think is, is critical. Jen, any thoughts on the, on the personality front? I mean, even just changing from like the coaching personality to now the partnerships personality. Yeah. I don't know that I changed a whole lot in, in that aspect. I think um, you talk, I mean, obviously I coached a lot of different athletes with a lot of different personalities. You learn who, who needs to be coached a certain way, who needs to be coached, who can deal with 
constructive criticism and, and who needs to be loved more and encouraged more. There, there's a lot of different, um, one size does not fit all in the, in the coaching world. And, and I think that applies to um, the partnership space as well. You're more than likely, you're dealing with a lot of different companies and organizations across various and very diverse um, kind of spaces. So, um, you know, dealing with someone in the auto industry is not the same thing as dealing with someone um, in a tech startup. Um, and then just on the micro level, you're dealing with people that have different personalities. Some people may love to talk and, and other people, um, you know, it, it may be difficult to track them down. Um, and so just realizing that you kind of have to morph your personality, being able to read people, I think is a very big key part of both sponsorship sales um, and the activation side as well, as well as um, being a coach. So if you can't read people and then kind of turn your tone and your personality to that, it may be a rough go. Not a rough go. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't for you. This ain't for you. Possibly. How do you, how do you go about, uh, one of the questions I love to ask is like, how do you go about getting better at that? Like, how do you go about being better at reading people? Like, does someone have to give you feedback? I mean, what, how, how does that work? Um, as much as we all hate Zoom, it's probably nice to actually see people's faces rather than just talking on the phone with them. So reading body language is helpful. Um, but I also think just listening. Um, again, I think I mentioned before with the coaching, like and this big long list, I have to get to all these points when really I really just needed to listen to what the kid or the student athlete was looking to get out of their four years at college, what, what their goals were um, on the track, as well as kind of for the rest of their life or in the classroom. Same thing here. Um, different companies are looking to get different things out of the sponsorship space. Some just want the, you know, the give me the traditional signage, we'll slap it up and I want as many eyes on it as possible. Others want more involvement in the community um, or more engagement on social media. So it's really listening to their goals. So if, if you can't listen, you also might be in trouble there. No, I, I, yeah, I'd agree. It's one of the tougher parts too is when you come along a brand that may be a startup, but it's a local brand. And then the education side of it, because like, what is sports? What can you do? And they have no idea really what their objectives are in market or how they're going to market their products or service. So it's another piece where, you know, you learn how they operate, but then it's a lot of coaching. It's a lot of almost handholding through the process and all the different layers that are in partnerships. And then, you know, guiding them to something that's beneficial for their brand and that's going to connect them to the community, but not always easy. Kareen, before we get to rapid fire, uh, because that's not easy either, um, I, I want to touch on one quick thing. Uh, both you and Jen spent some time at ESPN. Jen, got to learn about your experience there. Like, what, what was that like at ESPN? And um, Kareen, maybe you, maybe you have some stories there as well. The ears. <laughs> um, so I was there about a decade ago um, and uh, worked with their stats and information department. So all the live in-game stats. Um, and then I was also part of an NFL video analysis 
team. There are about 15 of us who tracked every down and distance of every NFL game, looking at things like offensive and defensive formation, pass rush, um, a lot of different aspects of that. Trust me, I watch football. I've always been a huge football fan. Go Bills. Um, but I watch football in a different manner. And so we take all of that. It was all the statistical information and that would be funneled to the on-air talent. Um, a really good time. At that point, I did miss coaching. Um, so I did go back to coaching. <laughs> um, that was not the case this time. Um, that was an immediate jump from coaching to, I had a friend who was a producer of Mike and Mike, um, and he hooked me up with an interview and it was like, Hey, it's ESPN flashing lights. Um, and I was still relatively young in my career. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience and met some good people there. Um, again, I watch football in a totally different manner than I ever did before. Um, and so, yeah, it, it worked out well. And, and from there, I went back to coaching and then ended up in the sponsorship space. Yeah, I think one one point there, and Kareen, feel free to touch on this as well. But like, just because you have one experience doesn't mean you have to stick to that for your career, right? Like, I think people get sometimes stuck in like the, Jen, if you would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm at ESPN, I got to figure out what I got to do at ESPN. And like, this is my career path. Like, no, like you are okay with chalking it up to, Hey, this was a great year and a half or whatever it is. And this is what I learned. And I'm going to go do this now. Like, yep. that's okay. Everybody's got their own journey, their own story. And you kind of write your own path. Yeah. I think you have to do what's right for you. What you see as your future being. Um, I am definitely someone who, is, who has made a couple career transitions. They're all kind of relatively in the same space. And part of me, every time I go to make a move and I say every time, like it's been hundreds of times, but it's been a couple, but um, I always think about, well, do people think I'm indecisive um, or something like that? And I think that's the concern, but I also think we're, we're living in the 21st century. It's 2021. This isn't your parents where people stay in the same job for 40 years. There's so many different opportunities and career spaces to be in now. Um, and you never know when an opportunity is going to uh, pop up. And um, I think you just follow what you want to get out of your career and not necessarily how it, the optics of how it may look to other people. Yeah. I'm a big risk taker. I think risk taking has been a big part of my um, success and ESPN actually helped me in transitioning into the business of sports because I was just in the coaching, like recruiting and X's and O's and the student athletes piece. But when I got to ESPN though, I was still in the college event space. Now I'm getting to see the other side of it, the business, the partnerships, the ticket sales, the marketing, all of that for sports. So the five years at ESPN definitely helped with the transition from college athletics to what I'm doing now. Yeah. I think every place I've been has provided me with just kind of furthered my education of um, business and sports and athletics all together and, and how things function together and, and how similar some spaces are. So um, they always say you, you should never stop learning. So um, that's kind of been helpful to me. Ian, one thing for you before we go to rapid fire, um, you and I have both moved around quite a bit. Like as Kareen talks about the risk taking, like what, what goes through your mind when you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go after this new opportunity and I'm going to move to a new place and a new space and, you know, start all over. In a sense. Yeah. So, so basically my mindset is growth and development and distance and location is not as big of a factor. If there was a great growth opportunity to, and I was moving across country again, like not here now that I'm in Nashville, I plan on planning more routes here, but 
for the last eight years, it was if wherever I'm going to grow and push myself and learn and take on more responsibility and new challenges, different markets or different in the college space, different school sizes, different athletic directors and relationships there. So, you know, I think in the business of sports, as you guys all know, you've got to be a risk taker and you've got to be confident in yourself that when you make that move, you're going to be able to provide value and, and do this new role, even if it's a, a different career field, if you're from coaching over to the business side, or, you know, if it's even in the partnerships world, going from a business strategy or services role over to the sales role, because generally a lot of people, that's the route. And I'd say if you have the opportunity and you're a little bit afraid, make the move and challenge yourself because oftentimes, you know, the reward, it, you look back and you're like, oh, I don't know why I was so worried about this. Like I'm prepared. I trust myself. I can do this and I can do it well. And I'd say for anyone that's younger listening to this, it's take the chances, believe in yourself, make sure you've got a good list of mentors in your corner to where when you do have those moments of doubt, you have someone to reach out to, or you've got a colleague like Jake and I connecting and talking through the first three, five months in our role here and some of the similarities. I think it's critical to, to make some comfort in those transitions, but challenge yourself and do it. No, that's fantastic. I, I want to let Kareen get the, the rapid fire started because um, I've, I've got a curveball later on. All right. I, mine are like all over the place. So partnerships or sales? Which one do you prefer? I mean, I'm sorry, uh, sales or activation? Sales or activation? What's your jam out of the partnership space? Because there is a difference. You guys are thinking about it now. You're like, ah. Uh, can I have a cop out and say both? Because you, <laughs> you've got to have a relationship with the, the client or the partner either way. Um, it's just a little bit more fleshed out when you're on the activation side because you're doing the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, but I... I you gonna make me pick one or the other? <laughs> no, we don't. No one is. I won't come to your house and knock on your door. So you can, you can, you can say both. I'll accept that. But Ian, I'll, I'll, I'm not accepting that. For no, you. I'll pick one. I'll bite the bullet here. Um, I my favorite thing about partnerships and obviously the relationships, like Jen talked about. But I like the sales front in learning about new businesses and meeting new people, and I enjoy, you know the chase a little bit where you're going out and finding new people or new businesses coming to the area and not to say I don't like the activation side but if I had to pick one it would definitely be the sales side all right I'm throwing the curveball right off the bat I asked this in my book to those who were in it if you couldn't work in sports at all what would you do oh gosh <laughs> Oh, that's a head scratcher. Yeah. Um, is this like something that my skills directly translate to or anything? What would you what would you want to do? You're a firefighter. I mean, like what? Like where where <laughs> are you going? What are you doing? I have, <laughs> that's a great question. I think off the wall, I would love to be some type of trail guide. If money didn't matter, especially I'd be like in the national parks or doing something outdoors. Um, the beauty of this, the sports world is that you get to interact with people so frequently. The flip side, if you're a trail guide or something outside, I think 
you get to show people new things and teach them about a different aspect. And then the outdoor side, I think would be interesting. We know where, where Ian's going when he retires. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am struggling with this one. Um, can I say on the marketing side of things, just obviously I wouldn't be able to do it in sports. So yeah, yeah. That's probably something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. All right. Scuba or skydive? Skydive. Skydive. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I let you guys were like, okay, I know this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nashville and Texas, you guys got a lot of different food there. Favorite food? I am, and I'm going to be completely boring here, but I am a farm to table type person. So I like fresh, but I'm also uh, my favorite type of food. If, if you, if we can't do that, uh, tacos. Tacos. Yes. You can't go wrong with tacos. Um, I'm steak and potatoes type of guy. That's how I grew up. And, but rep in Nashville, if you haven't had Nashville hot chicken, actually from Nashville, there's a number of different places. Um, Hattie B's is one of our partners, but there's Prince's is kind of a different style. I had some yesterday and if you ever try it i would stick to mild or medium don't go after the hot um i got peer pressure is the new guy into trying the extra hot and oh i can't God. taste anything still it's been 24 hours so oh my goodness um last one for me city or country i would have told you when i was younger because i grew up in a fairly rural area that i would have said country um and then, uh, and then I went and coached at a place that was kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I definitely need to be in a city or clo- very, very, very close to a city. I'm, uh, I'm similar. I, but I would side with the country more so. But in this world, like we talked about chameleon earlier, like I've lived in a number of cities in different markets and you can find your own peace and quiet somewhere, no matter where you're at. Um, but the quiet, I grew up in a very small town of like 13,000 people. So pretty spread out. And uh, after living in New York City, I think I've hit the full spectrum there. So um, I'd you say country. You need to hit probably. <laughs> I'll be here in Nashville for a minute. So we'll, we'll take it one step at a time. Yeah, that's, up- why they, that's why they got vacations. You can go vacation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, ETO. now it's the year of weddings. So every weekend <laughs> is wedding after wedding. They're all rescheduled from 2020. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was actually well, up your way a few weeks ago for the Bills Titans Monday night football game. Or you should have let me know. I had quite <laughs> a few people in town. Um, exciting for the home crowd. Well, it was. Uh, yes. The game like. I have never seen, I don't know, even at our own stadium, I don't know that I've seen that many. You could not walk two feet without bumping into a Bills fan. The They're game everywhere. They came early. They came on Wednesday the week before. <laughs> did. I, I, you know, I was all excited. I called my father and I'm like, I've never seen so many Bills fans. Um, I'm like, we travel so well. And he's like, Jen, did you ever think that maybe they just want to get out of Buffalo? <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Facts. That's... That's a wrap. That's a wrap right there. That's like the mic drop. Yeah, clip um, that piece. Clip it. Yeah. 
Jen, Ian, really appreciate the time on the Power Pro Sports series with Pro Sports Assembly. Um, really appreciate your time on the Life in the Front Office podcast. Thank, Thank you, you both. Of course. Thank you.